Hello, hello. If you listen to this podcast, you know I'm a fan of sports. I love Bill Simmons, not only is he a friend, but I still listen to him because he gives me cultural insights, but especially now with the NBA playoffs, we're also in the finals of the NBA, Golden State versus the Celtics. I don't get to watch it because I'm so busy with my kids. So I listen to his podcast to get the breakdown, to get the commentary. I also love the Ringer NBA podcast, a whole host of characters. Very, very funny stuff. Great commentary. Even if you don't love sports, recommend you listen to it because it's just funny conversation. That's also informative. Another thing that's informative is the Major Domo Media Discord channel. Go sign up for it. Easy way to do it is check out the Instagram page for Major Domo Media. There's a link. Go join our community where we talk about a whole host of things. Thank you to everyone that participates in that Discord community. Another thing that you can participate in is supporting Momofuku by buying their products, the ramen noodles, the salt spices, chili crunch. You can go to shop.momofuku or go to some stores nationwide, Whole Foods, Target, etc., and eat some delicious things that have been in development for many, many years. Another sort of thing I think you should sort of digest is eating, uh, is, is consuming David Simon's new show on HBO, We Own the City. Love The Wire. Go check it out. It's not The Wire. You're going to see some familiar faces, but it's a different conversation altogether. Don't want to say too much about it, but huge fan of David Simon. Everything he does. Go check it out. I've been trying my best not to watch it. And I just, because I want to watch it all at once. And I, I, I broke and I watched three episodes and it was fantastic. So go check it out. It's on HBO right now. Anyway, I'll stop rambling and get on with the show. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Domo Media. Thank you, Tango, as always. We have Wiley Dufresne on as our podcast guest today. Chris Ying and I interview him. He's been on probably the more than anybody. He's not only my good friend, he's one of the great chefs the world's ever produced, one of the best chefs America's ever produced, um, someone I admire so much. We're going to get into pizza talk, uh, mostly about pizza. One of the things on our Discord channel that I read a lot is people want more analysis or more commentary about chefs, techniques moments in time, things like that. And, and I, I promise I will do that. And today is a day where I will start to begin that journey. So if you don't know Wiley, Wiley is, he helped sort of usher in a new way of cooking in America. And he was a lifelong New Yorker, spent some time in Rhode Island, went to college, always cooking, and then got a job with Jean George. He was part of the team at JoJo. Then he opened up Jean George on Central Park West, and that was like an all-star crew with, besides Josh Eden, who is our mutual friend, the opening team of Jean George, that era was otherworldly. And he made his bones in that era, and he spent a, 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 a stint working for Jean-Louis Paladin, one of the most instrumental figures in, in, in a French chef and how American 
Americans actually started to cook food and purchase food. So after working for Jean-Louis and, and Jean-George, in 1999, he opened up a restaurant called 71 Clinton Fresh Food on 71 Clinton Street. You've probably heard me talk about it numerous times. I think it was probably one of the most influential meals of my life because it caused me to reevaluate what food could be, number one. Number two, it, it caused me to reevaluate re what a restaurant could be. It was intimate. It was thought-provoking. Ultimately, it was so fucking delicious. And I would go there in what was probably a 30-seat restaurant at the time. And just sort of, again, that kind of restaurant you think about, it's commonplace today. Wiley really was a trailblazer in an area where people didn't think food could be good. That was the Providence of the Upper East Side or Gramercy Park area. And here was a guy, he had really big sideburn mutton chops cooking food that I've never tasted before. But all I knew was everything I tasted was delicious. The avocado with crab, the rabbit, unbelievable stuff. And then he sort of had a, a change in philosophy. Not a change, but he evolved to WD-50. He opened a restaurant up the street. And I'd say if 71 Clinton changed my life, WD-50 was one of my best friends. It was a meal I probably ate at the most. I would sit at the bar after service or my days off by myself and just eat and talk with the staff there. There was a lot of people that were very familiar with my world. There were a lot of friends that I used to work with that worked with Wiley Dufresne. Wiley was the shit, man. Everybody wanted to work with him. And it became a finishing school. It was not a restaurant where you would go in as a beginner, although people did. It was a place where if you learned all the techniques from a lot of the great French masters, that was the place where you learn to apply what you learn in a different way. And the very, very beginning, it challenged the notion of what food could be. That's what I've always admired about Wiley, besides him being an extraordinary person. He's number one, a fantastic human being, great father, great friend, extremely loyal, funny. It, it, it just Those are the most important things to me. He's also just a fantastic chef that has changed how we think. And he was the first person I remember challenging Tim Zagat and a bunch of people at the time that were sort of the, the gatekeepers, we're not going to have salads on the menu. And that, that's such a simple concept now, but that caused a whole shitstorm. It wasn't just changing what people ate on the plate. It was changing how people ate and what they ate. And for lack of uh, a better understanding of things, Wiley is almost always going to be associated with molecular gastronomy. And that's just a wrong marketing term. It was a marketing term. Won't go into the history of it all. But the one thing that I try to reiterate time and time again is that molecular gastronomy it's bullshit in the sense that it gets typecast as foams and tweezers and all kinds of high, uh, science, high-tech shit. It's not the case. My interpretation of that era, and I just call it gastronomy, right? <laughs> That's really what it is. It was, a, it was a period in the late 90s or mid-90s to sort of late aughts where chefs decided enough is enough. I want to know why things work a certain way, why flavors taste a certain way, the juxtaposition of certain ingredients turned X into Y. And it was a, a renaissance. It was a revolution of just cooking something because the status quo said you should was not enough anymore. You needed to know, not just if it was organic or the farmer made a certain way, that wasn't enough you were beginning to question and to critically think through everything. So that's why I always found it to be stupid. 
you know, to, to sort of say it was foams. Yes, there were foams. But you know what a foam is? You know what else is a foam? Bread. Ice cream. There's a lot of things that are foams. Molecular gastronomy got typecast, and a lot of people in media didn't understand it because they were afraid. Because guess what? They had to do more work to understand what the fuck was going on. And I would say most American media people had no idea what the fuck was going on because they didn't understand what was going on in Europe. And, you know, they were, they were just wrong, patently wrong about the food that was being made and the food that was trying to sort of get started here. By mislabeling it as just the science beaker shit, I think it set us back creatively speaking. And I hope that doesn't happen again. But, you know, that period was so important to me and to a lot of people, but also Wiley was the American representative of it. And nobody spent more time understanding it. I always say, if you want to know about sous vide cooking, you know who the first person was that embraced it was Wiley Dufresne. All the way back, he did the intro for the, the Roca Brothers, a three mission star, formerly number one best restaurant. They, they did a restaurant book called Sous Vide in Spanish. Wiley was the forward introductory remarks to this book. Still to this day, probably one of the best books about that cooking. He just was seen as an equal in ways that I don't think Americans ever quite understood on, a, on an international level. He brought a lot of ideas. He created many ideas. And I wouldn't be here today with a lot of his input and a lot of his guidance. So I'm forever grateful for everything he's ever done for me, whether he realizes it or not. I'm talking about this because what Wiley did, I think, is something that doesn't get understood enough. And I think we need more people to do it, which is questioning the status quo of how food gets made, how it gets cooked. And at that time, that's all Wiley was doing was the more knowledgeable he was, the more knowledgeable he could become about ingredients and the interactions of foods when they're cooked, he could express himself in a different way. And it was all arbitrary because everything that we have come to know and accustomed to eat, it all came through some kind of accident. I think there was a, this was a moment where there were no more accidents. We're going to do things deliberately. We're going to better understand how to make better food because we know the science behind it. And it wasn't just sort of modernist techniques that were celebrated in that, that era as well. I think I, I internalize it in, as this whole spectrum of food that was happening. On one end, you had the Faranagias, the Albert Agias, the Hessen Blumenthal's, the Andoni uh, uh, of Mugaritz, et cetera, you know, doing truly revolutionary avant-garde, just completely destroying the notion of what food could be. On the other end of the same spectrum, the spectrum of trying to be more knowledgeable, to know more about your food, about your like ingredients, about the science behind it, or people like Michel Bra, Pierre Gagnier, and uh, Alain Passard. People may disagree with that statement. I totally understand. But I see them as the, you know, two bookends of the same spectrum. And they were doing it in their way in a very different way, much more naturalistic, much more uh, purity of the ingredient. But people forget they question how to get ingredients. They question the farming methods. They question, you know, Alain Passard going vegetarian at Arpege in the like mid 90s, I think it was, was like fucking crazy. That was, that was revolutionary. It was simply getting more control of what you're going to make, knowing every step of the way of how your food gets manipulated or produced. And you're seeing this today. You know, I think a good example of someone like that is someone say, uh, Josh at, at St. Pete's in, in, in Josh Nyland in, in, in Sydney. It's like, wait, I'm going to question 
how you hold fish. Again, that's probably one of my favorite podcasts the past 12 months or so because it's causing you to think about treating fish differently. He's making food that doesn't look like it's modern, but it is. Modern can be a lot of different things. I love modern. This is a whole nother subject. I'm getting way off topic here, but I was just saying like, as a lot of things get reset and a lot of things are sort of becoming more comfort food driven, if you go to all the restaurants, it's much more comfort food like. I always joke like uh, food right now is sort of feeling a post nirvana, you know, post grunge where it was, you know, softer, more nostalgic. And listen, I want that shit too. I just hope that as this dialectic, as this thing changes, and it will, whenever we get out of this era we're in, I won't say get out of it, but the move to challenge the status quo will happen a variety of ways. It won't just happen in the food that you eat. It'll be like how it's consumed. It'll be done in a variety of ways. But whatever it is where somebody, group of people, challenge the notion of what food could be, I really hope we embrace it with open arms. And that, that person could very well be Wiley Dufresne because, you know, I haven't tasted his pizza that he's been working on, but, you know, here's, here's somebody that is, you know, it's a beautiful thing. I, I, I'm so in, in, in awe of being able to like toe the line of one foot in the door of respect, the other foot in how do I push it forward a little bit? How do I change it a little bit? All done with love and kindness and respect. So, you know, whether it be donuts, or whatever, like Wiley can cook anything he wants. And I just wanted to say, it's like, I, I love him. I miss his food. I can't wait to try his pizza. But sort of, you know, I keep on going back to the central theme of when is it okay to, to, to challenge the status quo? And the movement of molecular astronomy, which again is such a stupid combination of words because it should just be gastronomy, was a movement to just better know how to cook, to be more knowledgeable, to critically think, to arm yourself with data, science, reason, to, better, to make better food to do it in ways that had not been done. And, and, and not just to do it from your, your, your gut intuition or how it was always done before. I am endlessly fascinated with that quest. Also, from the audience perspective, when is it okay? And the best example I can give for the audience, and this may not make any sense, and I'm sure whatever I said has made little sense, is if you're a fan of a musician or band and you're going to the concert and you're expecting to hear the hits, but you don't hear anything. You know, another example might be Radiohead when they came out with Kid A. That, like that album was like different and it challenged people. I think that's evolution. I love that. Well, when the Beatles went, you know, to Sgt. Pepper's or when Bob Dylan went electric instead of just playing acoustic folk, like that is evolution. That is growth. That is challenging your audience. Some people uh, in that audience will reject it. Some people will embrace it. Some people will be inspired by it. And I find all too often, at least in food, we don't have enough people that are inspired by it and we don't have enough people that understand it. There's far too many people that reject it because it's not the same. Listen, guys, I love the same and I love the status quo in a variety of ways because it's comfortable. Most of that burden is on the people making the food. Some of that burden is definitely on the audience. And if you're not in food, I just ask, you know, be open to change. Be open to the people that are pushing the envelope because that's what we need. We need more of that, not less of that in this world that is becoming increasingly the same. You know, I, I, I just, I can't stress that enough. I, I'm just talking a lot and I, I'm trying to figure out 
how to express Macy my love and also my concern for the future moving forward because I think we're headed to 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 maybe I feel like we're headed towards food in New York in the early 90s where it was um, good but not very diverse and I want to celebrate diversity diversity just isn't in the kinds of ethnic foods or foods from cultures diversity in food of thought like how you think anyway I've talked endlessly here about this but Huge fan of Wiley. I wish we could all go back in time and go to 71 Clinton, go to WD-50. I miss his, I miss his fucking food. Uh, I miss his donuts. But I can tell you one thing for sure. I'm going to fucking eat the shit out of his pizza, man. I am going to crush his pizza. I can't wait to taste how he is thinking about pizza. Pizza is extremely like entrenched in how it's understood. But you have someone like Wiley that may be making something that looks exactly the same as what you're always eating, but it may taste, just taste better. That's cool to me. How do you, how do you make something better without fucking it up in your head? Your, your, your platonic idea of pizza. That's, that's art. That's delicious art. Anyway. So I'll just let you guys get into the, the actual podcast with Wiley Dufresne, myself and Chris here. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs, scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Thank you, WD, for joining us. This year, you're the the most frequented guest on this podcast of all time. I think, really, with That's the exception amazing. of the Podfather himself, Bill Simmons. I think you are in the five timers club, like SNL. You don't get anything special other than getting to be on this podcast once again. It's nice to see both of you, gentlemen. As always, pleasure to be here. We're, we brought you here today to talk about one of your pastimes. What's your New York slice order and process? Give us play, play by play. You walk into the a slice shop. I mean, you know, for me, I, I, it's a plain slice to start because I think, you know, much like when you go to a diner, you should order eggs as a sort of litmus test of the diner that you're in. The plain slice is where, you know, walk into the ice cream shop, you get the vanilla. That's like, that's where, that's where you're going to get a, a, certainly a sense of, of whether or not you've arrived in the right place. But I start with a plain slice. I like a little bit of dried garlic on it. And then I also am a huge fan of a white slice. You know, I like a white slice. Those I've been eating those since I was a kid. And then I like a, obviously, you know, I know everyone's going to say, what about pepperoni? I'm, I'm solid with pepperoni. Um, generally I find that the, like the, the corner slice shops are not always picking the best quality pepperoni, but I also like a square. I like to try the Sicilian. I do enjoy a Sicilian. I've always liked a Sicilian. I also, it's the, one of the few times in the year that I allow myself to have a soda. I really don't drink soda ever, but I love getting a root beer out of the, you know, at root beer with a, with a couple slices of pizza. That's, I think that's good fun. I mean, no, 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 uh, uh, shell stable Parmesan. That not for me, thank you. No, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan and of that. I know. Stuff. I, I mean, know I'm, for I'm certain. Fa- I don't even have to bring this up. Definitely no chili pepper. That's not happening. No chili flakes. That's never never happened to you, right? Can you believe that? Chris no. Yang? I mean, if you want to watch someone ruin a slice of pizza, Dave Arnold and and chili flakes and pizza is an amazing combination. Of, it's a blur and things happen, and then he starts panting and. He seems happy, but that doesn't seem like the way I want to enjoy a slice of pizza. Well, can I can I ask you this? Okay, so th- that is a little 
kooky to me. I can't imagine it without the chili flakes. But Wiley, so so Dave is always characterized. I like to your, taste your... my food, Chris. I apologize. <laughs> Dave is always <laughs> referred to your aversion to spice. But like, give me the give me the truth here. Are you just like a no no spicy nothing? It, you know, I mean, it's it's an easy thing to make fun of me for, as as Dave has chosen to. I'm not. I, you make fun of me. It's never been making fun of you. Relentlessly, <laughs> you always make fun of me. You relentlessly make fun of me. This is. I am this not, is I am not a big. <laughs> I am not a big fan of chili flakes or of of spicy food. I'm not a big fan of spicy food. No, uh, no, no. Okay, we've heard, so okay. I'm trying to get to the bottom of this because that's how I've heard it described. But like, when you say I'm not a big fan, does that mean like I don't like? capsaicin anywhere near my food i don't like heat the sensation of like spiciness period yeah i i would okay. it, given the option i would i would i would either go very lightly or not at all okay like um a uh green bell pepper is about the maximum heat that Wiley wants in his food. Nice. That's nice. You had to pick green of all of them, huh? Really. Not exactly the king of peppers, Dave. The most useless of all the peppers. Yeah. Green pepper. Can I, crunchy, can I add crunchy water? I would opt for a smoked pepper if I had to, uh, you know, I'll take a... I mean, Chris, what's your? what do you put on yours? Because for me, I just I just had it. I take, I unscrew the chili flake top off, dump it in the pizza box so I can actually do a healthy dose of chili flake, put a little salt on it. Cause I always feel that the pizza shops never had enough salt and that's what I rock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Add salt to Wow. I, that, that had never crossed my mind to put salt on a slice of pizza, but okay. Just See, I think that, I, that's an interesting move, Dave. So you, you pour it's a little. better than me bringing a box of Florida cell like PMA <laughs> to everywhere he goes. Come on. <laughs> some individual salt crystals yeah i mean i i don't i yeah rarely do i find that the sodium levels on a slice of pizza are insufficient but that that's okay i mean but but you're 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 putting garlic it's garlic salt you are adding salt through your garlic it's not garlic salt it's dried garlic it's garlic powder it's it's dried garlic is that a a standard offering just like a, a little tub of dehydrated garlic yeah it's garlic it's garlic oregano chili flakes and apparently salt in the places that dave goes to but yeah <laughs> we've talked about this before how do you eat your slice is it i've demonstrated that it's a mine i take the slice and i use my index to break down the middle and i fold it over and i do like a flip so the he's the sort of nesting of the, the slice triangle. in yeah. between different fingers <laughs> it's like you know i bring it up and then right into my mouth how do you do yours <laughs> i start I hold it by the handle and I, uh, yeah, fold it in half. And- but, how, how, but how so? It's like, it's like a fastball. What kind of seam are you having holding on to the crust? Is it like, is it like this? No, I'm not holding it like a teacup, Dave. I don't know that a, that an iPhone is a good stand in for a slice of pizza. Um, there are different. <laughs> well, my understanding was that it was, no, it is. Cause I, my understanding was Dave was going two fingers on the yeah. bottom and like this two finger, the top no, of one, two fingers, one, in the bottom. one on the one bottom on top. and two on top. Okay. Yeah, it's it's almost like the mind meld. It's a Spock mind meld, but on a slice of pizza. I, I can appreciate that. I'm not. I, I don't have this shared uh, appreciation of the flip. I like to, you know, work my way, get rid of the flop, and sort of work my way in and fold that. How do you get rid of? This is what I want to ask. How do you get rid of the flop? I I sound like Larry David here, but how do you get rid of the flop? This is important. Well, you pick pizzerias that make better pizza and that are aren't floppy. Wow. 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 No, 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 no. That's not fair because sometimes if you get a fresh slice, 
it's inevitably going to lose some structure right at the the center of it. So it's going to dip. I mean, most well, mo- there's really no such thing as a fresh slice. Most slices are do- are twice baked. But yes, but you know what I mean. Um, Come on. Yeah, I mean, again, I would just take a bite or two off of that, and then I, I I know what you're talking about with the flop, but I'm I'm not. I don't like what that does in the front. It's like that's why paper. I never liked that move on a paper airplane either. It didn't it didn't fly right. Oh, the bending the nose. Yeah, it didn't fly right. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Let me ask you this, okay? Because this gets to a more existential question here. So, Wiley, is a, a a slice of pizza just generally a slice of pizza that flops over in the front? Is that a sign of a lesser pizza? What makes a good pizza to you? Well, I mean, are we talking New York? New York's a New York slice has some unique characteristics. A proper New York slice, as I I, I understand it. I mean, there's, I don't think there's quite a standard of identity yet, but I mean, it, it would be some, some place where crispy and chewy dance together. It's crispy on the bot. The very bottom is crispy. Um, but there, a, a proper New York slice should, should have a little bit of chew as well. And that's a function of a lot of things from the types of flour and the, maybe the potential sugar that you find in a, in a New York pizza dough, pie dough and th- things like that. But um, it should be it should be crispy and chewy and uh, I mean again it depends on the size too because a, a New York slice is anywhere from eighteen to twenty a twenty inch slice is even then the best of times is probably going to have a little bit of flop because that's a big triangle at that point that you're talking about and you can't as Dave pointed out you can't crease it all the way to the tip um, but I like to get close and try not to ruin the roof of my mouth on that first two bites but. That's also part but, of the fun. But WD, you're right. Like that's the one downside to the flip and the fold, you know, is that you're you're getting a double chew texture. You're basically like making a calzone. That's my only gripe of my move. Yeah, I, I'm not, a, I don't you know. like that because it becomes like, for lack of a better word, a mouthful. There is the thing gets out of balance. There is a wonderful balance between a thin layer of sauce, the right amount of cheese. You know, uh, a proper New York slice is relatively thin, um, and so everything that's in those layers. It comes together in a great way. That's the difference between Wiley and us is I'm sacrificing delicate flavor for eating as much as I can. (laughs) I think that's, I think that's the, (laughs) that is the core difference here. If we could fold a hamburger in half and eat it just that way, we would too. (laughs) Balance be damned. (laughs) I've never tried folding a hamburger in half. That's an interesting idea. So it's Wiley, a when you say it's <laughs> six, it's a, it's like six pieces of bread. <laughs> I mean, making pizza is, is really about the dough at the end of the day, and 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 what goes on in that process, and trying to understand so that. This is this is the essential question, then, like because because what you just said right there, it's it's about the dough and understanding what's going on right there. We this you're on. We've we've asked you to come on because. We have referred to you laterally no fewer than 700 times in our in our ongoing debate about homemade pizza on the Dave Chang Show. Here's a question. Is making good pizza at home as accessible as people think it is, having now done it for the better part of two or three years uh, on a regular basis? Absolutely. But it's not without an upfront investment in, in equipment, in, in some some basic equipment. But yes, you can make, again, we have to talk about what kind of pizza. You can't make good Neapolitan pizza at home. Your oven simply won't get to that temperature. That's, I, I can't change that. There's no, there's no way to make your oven go hotter than 550, 
575 at, at, at in the best of times. If you have a convection setting, you could probably get close to 600, but but even with the opening, closing of the door and the change in temperature, but you can make New York style pizza at home that's very, very good. Very good. Is is it just that? Is it if, if I, Chris Yang, and not Dave Chang or Wiley Dufresne, if I just buy a pizza oven, is that the main obstacle standing in the way between me and like good pizza though? Is that it? A pizza just, oven? No. Buy, no, buying one of these like unis or rock boxes or whatever. No, because those are all for outside. That's not in your apartment. Those are all propane powered. You, I, I, I mean, if you'd like to have a propane tank in your home, that's that's certainly your decision. But I, I would, <laughs> We're all ca- I would caution against that because you don't have the necessary equipment in your go bag. Should that go poorly, but um, <laughs> I, no, I don't have a go it, bag. I have a for here bag. Just it's to, it's to more stare. it's more about the things like you would want probably some sort of slab of steel in your home oven that would allow you to make make a new york style pizza and you should get uh, you know both a launching peel and a, and a and a and a removing peel you should get two kinds of peels uh but all of that can be done for uh, easily under 200 dollars, probably even under 150 i have it's I, I have a bunch of friends that have asked me how to make pizza at home and i send them the same link to amazon where you can order um, all three of those things and potentially have something stolen from you in the process. So, Cheng, <laughs> does it sound like Wiley is on the same wavelength as you with homemade pizza? Have you, has he said anything I mean, you disagree it's with? It's clear here? that the reason why producers of the show wanted Wiley on was this would be some kind of political debate <laughs> where I would look like a dumbass. Not a surprise. That's what the Thank producers you are here for. Do you for. not Just believe set, that it's possible, Dave, Dave, to make good pizza at home? It's not that I, I don't believe. I think there's been a lot of bad pizza made in the past two and a half years and a lot of terrible bread that's been made over the past two and a half years. And all of that could have gone to the actual pizzerias and bakeries of the world to support the people that actually do it properly and not the amateur hour stuff that happens. Because of the upfront investment, that's another thing to me why it's not the best idea to do. I'm not trying to refrain for tell people they, they shouldn't make pizza at home, but I find it dubious that many people think that they make great pizza. I think that gets tossed around a lot. And the claim that they make great Neapolitan-style pies is crazy talk. So no, I don't think so. And I, I personally would rather have those monies go to the actual professionals. Well, that's my take. I, I mean, look, I, I can't argue that we all should be going out and supporting any number of different types of food service establishments, 100%. You know what I mean? Uh, I can make a good cocktail. I can make a good this. I can make a good that. And you should go out and support your local bar. You should support your local donut shop. You should support your local everything and go out. I mean, I make pizza at home every single week. But I also go out and buy pizza all the time as well. Um uh, because, because I enjoy going and having pizza. Because the act of going out in dining, whether it be a hot dog stand or a slice of pizza, or any one of Dave Chang's seven hundred restaurants, it's an enjoyable experience, and um, and I encourage people to do that. But I don't, I don't know that I that you shouldn't make pizza at home because you should go support the the artisans that perform that. Because then we could we could dilute that down so you shouldn't cook anything at home because you should go support the people that are making it. In their, you know, but I, I think we want people to cook at home to some extent. And pizzas, I mean, does I mean it's not that hard if you are committed to the cause to do it at home. But how many are? I mean, 
Wiley, you're one of the greatest chefs the world's ever produced. So you're in a different category to be able to make pizza at home, even though you never made it at all the time at or never before. The fact that you're extremely good at making it now, it was that's what should have happened. But for I'm talking about the average person that feels like they're going to have people over and make pizza once a year. It's a lot of it's a lot. And I just wonder, is it is it just like moral support that we're going to go support our friend and eat bad pizza? Or is it something that people should be doing on the regular? I mean, I, it's there's a lot of things, obviously, that you can cook at home that are hard. Pizza is fun. It's relatively easy if you if you pay attention and, and, and follow some, you know, good protocols, you know, it's like how many people roast a horrible Turkey every year, Dave? I mean, horrible. <laughs> He's also trying to put a stop to that. So that's well, not... that, that I could get behind. You know what I mean? <laughs> that I could get. Behind. All right. Let me ask you this, Wiley. So I, I agree with Dave hundred percent. One of you're one of the greatest chefs the world's ever produced. How long were you making pizza and how much pizza did you make before you were like, this is good pizza. And how long before you said, I would ask people to pay money for this pizza? It was about a year and a half and somewhere around 450 pizzas. <laughs> okay. So, but that's not kind of, every day. This is kind of the that's point. That's not every no, no, day. No, 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 there there are people is... that make 450 pies in a day. So let's be no, clear. Of course about there that, are. Of course there are. But what I'm saying is, one of the world's greatest chefs <laughs> spent a year and a half and made 450 pies before yeah. he was willing to say no, it was good. It doesn't make sense. No, come in. Listen, you got your you got your ten thousand hours at the age of twenty three, okay? <laughs> you basically were went from Formula One racing to driving NASCAR or like IndyCar or some other car that was like very difficult to drive. That's what's that's what I think. I I just want to give people realistic hope. Well, but then go go to your local pizza shop and buy the dough from them. Don't even get involved in making dough. Skip that whole step. Go to your local pizza shop and say. Can I buy two balls of dough? Name your price. Take the balls of dough home. Stretch it out. I mean, again, you you, you can open up a can of sauce or you can make some, tomato sauce is, is, I mean, my pizza sauce is very simple. It's very simple. It's got like five. What's your, brand of, what's your brand of tomatoes that you like to use for your pizza? Um, I like Jersey Fresh. And what's the sauce? What's the, what's the sauce formula here? Give or take. It's got oregano. It's got uh, dried garlic. Am I really going to tell you guys what's in this? That... <laughs> I mean, is this is it? Are you is it a secret kim, sauce? Kim, kim, kimchi juice. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I put some soy sauce. I put some Worcestershire, and I put olive oil in it. Fish sauce. No. Molasses. No. We're just trying to throw people off. Red herrings here. They don't know. It's not twenty five ingredients. It's a maple syrup based sauce. <laughs> Which is funny to me, Wiley, because. You don't like tomatoes. You don't like them raw. I know you've always said you like them in a cooked way, but I always never associate tomatoes in any form as something that you would enjoy using. I mean, but I've always, look, I've, I've always, I've always been a fan of pizza, and I've said that from the beginning. I've always been pro ketchup. Um, I don't love like tomato in its natural state. I, I, you know, you take something like pizza sauce, and you, I mean. What are the what, what? Why is pizza so? I mean, Dave, you of all people will get this one right. Why is pizza such a universal home run? Because it's just a massive umami bomb. That's all pizza yes. is. 
It's it's the it's the most umami rich thing I can think of because it's layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of umami. That's all it is. Cheese is umami. The yeast flavors are umami. The tomato sauce is umami. Whatever other crap you're going to put on top of it, it's just that's why we all love pizza everywhere because it's umami and and we don't have to argue. It's finally one thing we can all agree on, you and I, right? Umami wins. Well, you know what? Can I just tell you how thankful I am that in our lifetimes, you've always said, you of all people, this is a wily phrase that he likes to throw at me. <laughs> you of all people should know this or will agree with me. Yeah. And I think almost every time I've had to play along, like, of course, I, I know what you're talking about. I have no idea. <laughs> so the one time out of a thousand times he's ever said it to me where I'm like, oh, my God. Yes, me I of totally all people. I, and it's the, I knew I actually know it. And it's I the agree. lowest. And, it's still, and, and the one he and the time he used it here, Dave, was you of all people, Dave, must like pizza. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yes, that's why Thank we you. like pizza. That's yeah, why. It's true. Because it's just it's just a punch in the face of umami and it's del- and that's delicious. And it's like so that's where Which I, is why I try to tell everybody that makes Italian food that they're just making food from Asia. It's the same thing. Okay. Wiley, you of all people can agree that <laughs> you pizza's from Asia. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, pizza's not on trial here. And if, if I may play armchair therapist here, there's a there's a little element going on of like because I don't know if you've experienced this, Wiley. I don't know if you've gone to somebody's we were talking about this recently, going to a non-professional's house for dinner who is very proud of something they've made and how how you respond to it when you as a professional are like, this is not as good as they think. You just say and it's delicious. You just you, so you always lie. You always lie. Yes. Would you lie to Dave? <laughs> I've never no, lied to. I've never, never lied to Dave since I've known him. I've never lied to Wiley about a food. That's honestly one of the things we tell each other the truth about the things we don't like about each other's food, and then continue to serve each other the dish that we told each other that we didn't. Eat. That's a hundred percent true. If I know Dave doesn't like it, he's definitely going to eat it again the next time. Uh, this is this is beyond my qualifications as an armchair therapist to diagnose. I, mean, I don't know what you call no, this I, thing I, that you guys look, have. I I I I understand that there's nothing more nerve wracking than having a professional chef over for dinner, right? And and that that is in, enough to cause people tremendous levels of anxiety. So I think the least I can do aside from the dishes is to say it was great because I like we're also the easiest people to cook for because I'm not going in there expecting that I'm going to get a Dave Chang level meal from you. So I'm I'm adjusting my expectations to a fair and reasonable place. And and nobody's ever like you said, like most people aren't volunteering to cook for you. Like Correct. they're just too intimidating to do it. So getting a home cooked meal I, is a treat. I, I we and and for that reason, and Dave can agree with me or not, but we rarely get invited over for dinner because people don't want to cook for us. It causes them great anxiety. And I don't want to do that. I'd rather go out to dinner with you. But if you're gonna have me over, I'll bring some delicious wines or whatever and we'll it'll have it. It'll be fine. It'll be delicious. It'll yes, it's great. Thank I'm I'm just well, glad you a, had the, me. Wiley, there's a point of distinction. There's a point of distinction here to be made. Where people are nervous to invite you because they're nervous about your expertise. That, but they would like you to come over if that wasn't an issue. They're not inviting me because they just don't like me. That's <laughs> that's, that's the difference. <laughs> that's the difference. Well, perhaps so, Chris can help with that. Maybe there's something that Chris can help. So with okay, there. no, but so I want I want to take that a little further because. You're describing a certain type of person who's like, oh, you know, I, Wiley, like, I know this isn't going to be good by your standards. I, you're, you know, you're professional. Like, I, you know, this is the best I can do. I hope you enjoy it. And you're going to, of course, say like, this is great. 
I think that the person that I'm talking about is, oh my God, Wiley. Like, I know you make pizza, but my pizza is crazy. You got to try my, my, my bay shrimp and cottage cheese pizza. It's so good. The crust, I've been working on it. I, I, I modified a Kenji recipe. Like this person, that person <laughs> who, who exists, who, who exists, maybe like you're, you're not seeing them. They exist, but they're, but they're like, they're kind of the same person who's on Yelp saying, going to your restaurants and saying like, I don't understand what the deal is here. Like I can make this at home. I think that that's the person that, that we're responding to a little bit here that I'm, I'm diagnosing as like what Dave is detecting when someone's like my pizza rules is the same person who thinks they can do what a restaurant does. That's fine. I would prefer not to talk about Yelp and, and, and that, those, <laughs> that life form. But I, I, I have, I, I rarely do I get invited to someone's house. Who's like, I'm going to show you what real pizza is, or I'm going to show you what real shrimp noodles are, or I'm going to show you how to deep fry hollandaise. But that doesn't happen very often. Um, I, I just, I mean, it, it I don't think that the, any good is going to come from somebody like bragging that I'll show you how to do this. It's like, well, okay, then I'm definitely coming over, but let's, let's, (laughs) let's be prepared. But I find it more often than not, it's more like, Hey, I, I I love making this. I'd love for you to come. And it eventually sort of becomes this, like, what would, how would you do? How, how would you help me make this better? And that, I mean, that, again, I don't necessarily, I like being asked to come over to dinner because I think again, breaking bread with people is wonderful and it's a great way to get the, I don't know, experience fellowship and all those things. But, and if someone wants some help, I'm happy to help them. But I mean, I, I, you know, I usually don't, I try to avoid those situations wherever possible, but it it happens, you know. So, so speaking of shrimp noodles and and deep fried hollandaise, is there, where, where are you finding like creatively in, in your sort of pizza journey and where have you identified sort of areas for, I mean, I'll call it experimentation or, or, or sort of like continual evolution of pizza, or is there any? Well, for me at work, the, my, my pizza pro, like journey or uh, study, it runs, it, it's two fa- two lanes and they run in tandem. Like I, I, I'm really trying to understand how to make great pizza dough and, and the variables, you know, again, uh, you guys know my process. Like I want to understand how these very few ingredients can cre- react and in what and in what way, which has caused me to get in all sorts of trouble with pizza makers because I think baker's percentage is stupid. Um, and that that doesn't go over well with them. But so there's the dough cat- channel that I work on. And then there's what do you put on top of the pie? And that's where, you know, I think the opportunity exists for, you know, Dave or myself to to, to somehow stand out to the extent that Dave likes making pizza. I don't know. I don't think you can microwave pizza, so maybe Dave doesn't make it at home. Oh my goodness! Um, you can microwave pizza. You can. You just need the that. You just need that 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 futuristic slice of plastic sub, thing, sub scepter, right? What's that called? Yeah, the metal metallic thing that you get in microwave pizza. The hot yeah. pocket. It you gets up to like nine hundred degrees. Yeah. Okay. Why? <laughs> Why is just nodding quietly? But is that okay? So toppings, like, do you think I'll show you? I'll show you. <laughs> <WD>. <laughs> I make the best microwave pizza of all time. My God has my witness. That's what, I mean, if you can make the best microwave pizza of all time, then there you go, buddy. You're on to something. Because it's it's hard. You know, it's hard. But but toppings, I think, are are an opportunity. You know, I see that as an opportunity to 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 have some fun. Mm, 
I see that as a gigantic potential pitfall, right? Because that's where people like same thing with cocktails, where it's like, oh, nobody's ever mixed orange juice and root beer and tequila before. I can do that. That's a new new flavor. Like, don't you think like that's also where people think they're getting a little too creative? Um, not. I mean, the home, the average home backyard uni root beer and orange juice is not bad actually, but that's maybe a different story. Um, is that true? Wait, yeah, is that true? it's not bad. Sweet and sour, but. Again, are you talking about me? Or are you talking about? Uh, no, I'm not talking about you. I, I trust. I trust that when you're you're pushing things creatively with toppings, you're coming up with some legitimately delicious things and things I that I Dave think doesn't most find people, delicious. When they and, make pizza at home, they tend to stay pretty safe. It's about cheese and sauce and pepperoni and you know meatballs or ground meat of some what sort. Are, what are your I, thoughts about barbe- barbecue chicken pizza? I certainly. I think I've had that. I mean, I don't know. I, I would rather have a barbecue chicken sandwich. What about a what about a Peking duck pizza? Ooh, so good. I mean, that sounds delicious. That sounds delicious because I mean, duck sounds. I just cooked some duck at home for the first time in years. It was so much fun, man. Well, Dave conducted an empirical study of the of the Peking duck pizza and determined that you know, what's the better dumbest than Peking... way you could possibly <laughs> eat Peking duck. I mean, it sounds del- it, the dumbest way. It sounds delicious, I though. Know. No, but the I problem know. is that when you when again, you like eat, communism, makes sense on paper, doesn't work in real life. I think what Dave doesn't found work, when he ate, doesn't work ate the all. pizza, yeah, is that it's worse than regular Peking duck eating. <laughs> like it's not better. Well, it's not I, I think that for Peking duck pizza, one of the things that makes it, if you're going to do it, you almost have to cook it, the dough first, and then add everything else after. Much like you see a salad pizza. In, in New York City style pizzas. The salad pizza is not something that I've ever eaten or enjoyed. I guarantee you Wiley Dufresne has never enjoyed a salad slice in his life. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's 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 a safe bet. That's a very safe bet. When you bet. see that at a pizzeria, that's a sign of get the fuck out. Yeah, or don't even go in, I think. I think it's don't even go yeah. in. The salad slice. I'm not entirely familiar with what we're, what we're talking about here. What do you characterize oh, as a salad cook, slice? They cook the dough and then they add basically the equivalent of a greek salad on top of the the dough cooked dough what? and they serve you a salad slice wiley knows what i'm talking about unfortunately i do and i i, I i'm not a fan i'm not a fan of the greek salad in general i don't i, I don't like those weird olives Yikes. um but I, I i i'd like to take a crack at peking duck pizza by all means <laughs> what um what are some what are some flavor what are some co- top topping flavors that you've been you've been happy and and uh, discovered in the past i mean i did i did ground lamb and like a tzatziki kind of sauce uh minus the cucumber but like just just the yogurt and the lemon and the garlic i did that recently that it was on a on a sicilian on a deep dish that was really good um i just i did uh, this past weekend i did broccoli rob and pickled red onions and green goddess and it was it was super tasty super super tasty the best slice I had in a while was I, I, I was in Phoenix and I stopped by Bianco's spot and he has this uh, these local pistachios with a little bit of honey and the red onion. Oh my god! And the red, oh the red onion and pistachio. That's a killer mm. pizza. That's that's a. I mean, he's obviously. I mean, that's like you know when Yoda makes you a pizza, it's good. You know, like it, it, it's he's. <laughs> I mean, not when literal Yoda makes you a pizza. He's just so small. What um, we we glossed over this too though, Uiley. Like, what was what was the scene at Pizza Expo? You didn't even tell us about your pizza travel. 
it was it was wild. I mean, I was very lucky. Um, uh, I, I was I was there, and then I got to spend a couple of days at at one of the booths working with some of the great the greatest pizza makers in America. Um, and while I refused, despite their uh, repeated requests to actually make pizza, I made I made a sauce that they could put on their pizzas, which was a lot of fun. Um, I made a heat stable cacio e pepe sauce that didn't that wouldn't split in the oven. Um, so that was, that was fun. Was, what, what did you, did you add gel into that? No. Um, I, I bought a, a bottle of Trader Joe's Cachoe Pepe sauce and realized that I had every ingredient on the label in my kitchen. And so I reverse engineered it that way. Um, and basically it's olive oil, a couple of different kinds of cheeses, black pepper, some water, some melting salts and various citrates that help the, the different cheeses melt together. Uh, and it, it modified starch was the ingredient. I was like, well, I can, there's a way to make, I, I actually, I have powdered modified starch on the shelf, but you could make your own modified <laughs> starch. So I just took pasta and cooked pasta until it was completely hammered. And I blended it with water and, and by overcooking pasta, you're modifying and then blending it, you're modifying the starch. So I put all that together and, and blended that, and it became this really beautiful, spreadable cachoe pepe sauce that wouldn't wouldn't split when it got hot. Could you have just used Wondra instead of the pasta? Uh, I, well, that's flour. Like, you, yeah, sure, you can make a bechamel, right? Sure, that you can make a cachoe pepe bechamel. That, but it's also a modified starch. It's like a cook. It's a cooked flour that they desiccate into flour again, right? Uh. Yeah, I, I, I suppose that's what Wondra is. That's true. You probably could. I didn't. I didn't try that. I mean, again, it's like there's the ultra spurses, ultra techs. There's all those modified starches that 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 those molecular guys used to play with that you could throw in there. <laughs> um, but I, I I had been talking to another chef, um, and we were talking about the idea of, of modifying starch that way by actually cooking pasta and blending it. And it was, uh, it's a, it's a really interesting thing. I now, I now actually keep this container of modified starch in my fridge and I've been messing around with adding it to different things. But the, the, the pizza expo is, I mean, you know, this is interesting, Dave. I've, I've noticed that the pizza community is very different in some ways than like, cause you and I have been to the Madrid fusions and the, this is and the, that's over the years, a thousand times. And there was always, there's oftentimes this sort of keeping people at arm's length. And I don't want to talk about how I did that too much or I'm, you know, or like, let's, you know, you're my competition in this particular kind of genre or this or that, which, and I think we've come a long way in the last 20 years too, about knocking those walls down. And there's a lot more fellowship than there was at one point and a lot more sort of open sourcing of ideas. But what was been so great about the pizza community is like you were instantly in, there was no secrets. Let's talk about it. Everybody, you know, I got a big hug right away and I, and it was really cool. It's like the pizza, the pizza community is full of really, really wonderful, friendly people who were excited that professional chefs like myself from sort of other other areas were interested in what they were doing and that was cool and it was really neat to see that so that was i i i would go back to that um expo and and would recommend people go because and then also you know i i'm i'm really hoping that that there's an opportunity to actually open a pizzeria in my future and so i was there to shop for equipment and, and, and talk to people in that way and shape or form and meet manufacturers and see, you know, like any type of food preparation, the technology is, is moving so fast and it's also so interesting. So 
I, I thumbs up to the pizza expo. When with this pizza shop that you are talking about, would it be a gas oven? I think so. Right. Uh, I mean, not necessarily because deck, you know, it's again, I'm, I'm, I'm after a New York style slice and a New York Sicilian Detroit. They're, they're very similar. Although you have to be careful. You don't upset people by calling them identical, even though we could argue that, but, uh, and, and, and those types of pies can all be made in, in electric, electric deck ovens. So there's some pretty cool deck oven technology that's electric. So it doesn't have to be gas. And that, that you know, you know, Dave, that, that that's a different venting situation, black steel versus you know, type, right, right. type one, type two, boring hood bullshit. But, but there, there are some upsides to electric versus gas. And, and I was not able to try your stretch pizza, but for those that got to taste it or don't know, you did a pop-up at Bread's Bakery which is very famous for its chocolate babka, which is extremely delicious. Are the flavors that you made there going to be, you know, how many of those flavors are going to make it to the final shot? You think? That's an interesting question. I spent a lot of time thinking about that. You know, we had, when we, when we did that at Bread's, we made four pies, uh, two, two that were, didn't change and two that were chef's choice, seasonal, whatever. Um, and the, we had a, cl- a classic New York, which was just, you know, our three blends of cheese and, a, and our homemade sauce. And then, and, and because it, again, I, as I mentioned earlier, I, I think of white, a white pie being a very New York thing. We did a white pie, but ours was an everything bagel pizza. So we, we put cream cheese, um, everything bagel spice, lots of chives, uh, on the pizza because the, we weren't allowed to use any sort of, proteins because we were baking in bread ovens and we couldn't risk, you know, like I think smoked salmon or something like that would have been great on there or a smoked fish, but we couldn't do that because we couldn't get any, impart any flavor on the bread because they're using those ovens uh, when we weren't. But I really enjoyed the everything bagel pie. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was playful. I thought it was whimsical. And, you know, I, I might, I might try and see if people go for that. Um, and we, we, we did some we did, a, I think, probably close to a dozen over the six months where there are different flavors. And um, we did a street corn pie that was really fun, like a Mexican street corn pizza that was super tasty, that was really well-received. And we, we might might bring that one back. Uh, How would you put fried chicken on pizza? Let's talk about that. I mean, I think fried chicken on pizza, yes. I think that's a yes. What would the combo be? Chris, think of a combo to give them too. Let's let's see. This is like Eminem doing free, st- free run. I mean, tenders. For sure, tenders, uh, blue cheese, a little red. Uh, I mean, uh, gentle on the red hot sauce, but a little bit of hot sauce maybe in there. Play that buffalo, buffalo pizza vibe. Celery, mm. I think some well, celery on there would be um, delicious. Wh- wh- what about celery? Wow. What about uh, <laughs> let's? That really. What about Dungeness crab? Dungeness crab. Dungeness crab. Yeah. Crab on a pizza. That sounds expensive. First of all. Hmm. Crab, maybe a little sauce American. I might throw, try sauce a little sauce American with your crab. I think that'd be good. That would be that would actually be outrageously delicious. Yeah. Here's another. Here's another one for you that you may like. Would you ever put Bernays on pizza? Bernays? Yes. Mm-hmm. Why not? I know. Why not? What would you pair with Bernays on a pizza? What would be the combo? Steak, steak, and Bernays for sure. 
There's no, we're, we're not, we're not going to see the eggs Benedict pizza, huh? We're not going to see the, the revival of WD. I mean, we did, we did eggs on a, we put eggs in asparagus. We did, we did a riff on a classic asparagus mimosa, which is, uh, you know, poached asparagus with, um, hard boiled eggs and like a mustard vinaigrette. And we turned that into a pizza at, at, at breads. Well, it was delicious. Here's the question. Cause Dave was just talking about this the other day. What's your stance on the breakfast pizza? Generally the idea of the breakfast pizza. Oh, my stance is yes, absolutely. Eggs on pizza for sure. I mean, what kind of eggs? How do you put egg on a pizza without it being hammered? Uh, well, we cooked the egg yolks separately um, in a circulator, and then we blended them and uh, put them in a pastry bag. And when the pizza came out of the oven, we piped it on the pie at the end, and it was it was delicious. My Gordian knot was just uh, un- untied. <laughs> it's not. It's not <laughs> really? untied. No, that's that's it's, that's the he sli- he basically sliced he it sliced in half. It. That's not how yeah. the airport is preparing your breakfast pizza, generally speaking. <laughs> your, the airport? I don't know. I mean, that might not be the I got place. a breakfast pie at Wolfgang Puck's airport restaurant. I can't remember where I was at. And I was, uh, I, it was okay. Really? It's just okay. And I'm not a big fan of runny eggs on pizza. You would think, again, it makes sense. It would be delicious. But, you know, when you get to a spot and they put an egg or a duck egg or something like that on your pizza... It just doesn't work out. Well, that's what I'm saying. When we cooked the yolk separately and and then piped it, it was that like, oh, you know, sort of spreadable egg yolk. It was really tasty, like super tasty, I thought. No, I, I now now I understand because, you know, you're the one that basically showed everyone that technique to begin with. So that's an amazing idea. Yeah, it was, it, it was good, a really nice way cap, to put Just egg. caviar. Yeah. Let's, let's, all right, last, last, last one, last question for me. We got to let you go, Wiley. Instead of just playing make up a pizza for us, Chang, Chang, and I are big fans of the starch on starch action. You got anything in the realm of like other like pastas or noodles or rice or anything like that? Would that work on a pizza? A what do you mean? What do you mean when you say starch on? Well, no, like spaghetti on a pizza or something like that. Yeah, I, I know. I've never had one of those be good. Those are th- that's like. I'm sorry. That's a train wreck. That slice, for those that don't know, it's when you walk into a slice shop in New York, particularly New York, and you see... ZD, like, usually like ZD old, or yeah, Rigatoni. Oh, no. And they've been sitting out there all day, and you only order them when you're almost blacked out drunk. And but you don't think it can there. work. It's just like, even theoretically, it couldn't work. I, I'm just not Cold sure fusion. you need to. That's like stuffing a, like a square peg in a round hole. Like, why, why not just have a a bowl of pasta, you know, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't know. I can understand trying to get an egg to work in there. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know. That seems like a bit much. I, and I don't have, I don't have any issues with going heavy on carbs or anything like that, but that's just me. Well, Chris's entire business plan just went down <laughs> the tubes. <laughs> I'm texting my bank right now being like, never mind, we're out. <laughs> I don't need the, the, the pizza shop that he was dreaming of was called Double Carb Life, and now you just ruined it. I'm Thanks sorry, lot, Chris. Man. Cut this out of the podcast. My business needs to go on. We can still be friends, right, Chris? <laughs> I'll be crashing with you. All right, WD, we'll get you out of here. Thanks, guys. Let me know when you're back on this side, and I'll have you over for pizza. Ooh. Looking forward to it. All right, guys. Be well. Thank you. All right, guys. Give us five stars on our iTunes page. Go check it out on Spotify. Go visit Wiley Dufresne's next venture. 
whatever pizza he's going to make, go check it out. And all the host of other things that he has up his sleeve. I cannot wait to go eat and to give him a hug. I have gone too long just talking to him online on Zoom without seeing him in person. And I, I miss him uh, and everything he, he does. So anyway, I'll shut the fuck up. Give us five stars. <laughs> 